You're listening to a podcast from Every Nation Canberra. In this message on love appropriate to Valentine's Day, Pastor Joe Sulip uses Ephesians 5 to talk about obedience to the example of Christ in the context of marriage. Good morning, everyone. If you're with your spouse, I suggest you sit beside him or her. If you're alone today, just find a seatmate. Happy Valentine, everyone. We're excited to uh, conclude our series today. Men, if you are with your spouse, look them straight in the eye. Men, look at your spouse straight in the eye and say, I love you. And women, if you feel like responding, you say, whatever. (laughs) Three weeks ago, we started a two-part series called One Another. The most important of which is to love one another. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Jesus here has set a new standard on how we are to love others. We are to love others just as he unconditionally loved us. There are 59 one another's in the Bible. And the love that Jesus is asking us to express, to show one another, is what binds them together. This kind of love is not the kind of love that's self-serving. We have to understand that a big part of our Christian life is lived out in the context of one another. And this one another's are things that we do out of an overflow of our love in our relationship with Jesus. Today, we are concluding our series by looking at Ephesians chapter 5. This chapter covers two very important themes. One is the obedience to the example of Christ. In this part of Ephesians, Paul is talking about how our relationship with God, the vertical component of our Christian life, is worked out in our relationship with others, with one another, the horizontal component. And the chapter starts with this. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Again, like in John 13, We see here the standard by which we have to walk in love towards others. Just as Christ loved us. How did he love us? He loved us even to the point of death on the cross on our behalf. It's not the what's in it for me kind of love. It's it's a sacrificial outward looking kind of love that puts the needs of others above our own needs. Only when we truly understand that Jesus is the standard by which we have to love others can we truly live out the many difficult one another's that we find in the Bible. One of which is what we will discuss here in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The second theme of this chapter is the relationship between the husband and the wife. But even if you are just about to be married or single and searching or single or waiting, there's so much that you can learn 
that we can all learn from this. Before we do this, I would like you to ask you to look at your partner again, straight in the eye. Take a deep breath. This time you don't have to say anything. Take a deep breath and exhale. Some of you are smiling. Some of you are thinking, oh, you still take my breath away. And for those who woke up late, oh, your breath takes me away. <laughs> and it stinks. Probably for those who have, you know, uh, been going through a lot, you'd probably say, oh, I want to take your breath away. <laughs> right? Sometimes you feel like that, right? Let's admit, those who have been married long enough, we all know that we will not always see each other through rose-colored lenses. If we are honest with ourselves, there are really moments when even liking them is a struggle, right? This thought came into my mind today, and the word is conflict. To be more specific, it's the thought that conflict in marriage is inevitable. Even for couples, some of them I know say that they hardly argue. Even if they don't fight over issues in their marriage, it doesn't mean that their marriage doesn't have any conflict. And I say that again, marriage or conflict in marriage is inevitable. Why is it impossible for two people to be in a perfect relationship, in perfect harmony with each other? Let's turn to the Bible and find the answer in Genesis, specifically Genesis chapter 3. Chapter 3 of Genesis is pivotal in the scripture. Through this chapter, we're able to find answers to many questions in life. Why is there sickness and death? Why is there evil in the world? Why is there conflict in marriage? Is there any hope for me? The world that we occupy now is not what was intended, originally created for. We now live in a fallen world separate from God. And chapter 3 of Genesis tells us how this happened. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The word Eden means pleasure. It means delight. God created marriage to be a place of pleasure, a place of delight. As long as Adam and Eve both lived in submission to the authority of God, they lived in the beautiful place called paradise. But, as we all know, the devil tempted them, and they rebelled against God and disobeyed him. And their sin of disobedience was not without any consequence. Now, the marriage that was meant for pleasure, the marriage that was meant for delight, has been put under a curse. God said to Adam, In painful toll, you will eat. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food. Before the fall, Adam did not have to work. He was in paradise. But the earth, the earth was cursed. And now, things will not be as easy for him anymore. He now has to labor and sweat to be able to get what he needs. Then, God came to Eve. And he declared the curse, her part of the curse. This is the New English translation. And he said, 
to the woman, I will greatly increase your labor pain. The pain you will give, with pain you will give birth to children. And those who have children here are no stranger to this. This is part of the curse brought about by man's sin. And he said, you will want to control your husband, but he will dominate you. It's a curse. God was saying to Adam and Eve, when there was only one God, me, and you were living under my authority, there was peace in the garden. But now that you have rebelled and decided to be your own God, there's going to be conflict. This is what Genesis chapter 3 is saying. One of you would want to have authority over the other. Eve will try to control you, but you would resist by trying to rule and dominate over her. This is the curse that was brought about by the rebellion of man against God. This is the reason why there is conflict in marriage. The curse is the curse of control. And I want you to understand that. Where both men and women try to exercise their authority over one another. What makes us want to control or dominate one another? The main reason is pride. Pride is the number one relationship killer. No wonder the Bible says a person's fall or a person's pride comes before his fall. The ego is nothing but yourself arrogantly making yourself believe that you are better than anyone else, even your spouse. Pride makes you think that you're always right. Pride makes you think that your decisions are always right, that you know more than your spouse, that you're better than your spouse. Pride can make you arrogantly feel that you have this kind of superiority or this entitlement to rule over your spouse. And pride separates people. Do you know that feeling of being so distant from your spouse when you had an argument, even if you're just sitting inches away from each other? You know that feeling? After a fight, you just feel so, so distant from the person? Pride is a wall that divides relationships because it tells you that the issue you are fighting about is more important than your marriage. That it is more important to be the one who's right than to be the one who was kind, compassionate, understanding, and forgiving. You know, they say pride is the longest distance between two people who could be sitting side by side. Pride deceives us. Pride deceives us into thinking that we have the power to change people. That's why we try to rule, dominate over them. It makes us believe that we can change them, but the truth of the matter is we can't. Only God can do that. Pride makes us trust ourselves more than we trust God to make that change happen. You see what happens when we don't trust God with people? We play God in their lives. For example, there's something that you don't like about your spouse, so you as much as possible, 
try to tell that person in a nice way. And there are times when your spouse would take it lightly. There are times when he or she would get offended and you would get into an argument. But you've made your point. You've said what you wanted to say. It's effective for a while, then he or she goes back to uh, her old ways once again. And the cycle continues. It's a cycle of making promises that are broken over and over again. So you get frustrated and you start asking God, Lord, when will you change this person? But have you ever wondered? Have you ever stopped and wondered that maybe it's you who God wants to change? Right? Maybe the reason why the person that you are with is still difficult is because God is still not finished in trying to make you the kind of person, the kind of husband, the kind of wife that he wants you to be. Remember, before we pray to God to change someone, let's pray first that God changes us. Because when we allow God to expose our hearts, then when we allow Him to make things inside us change, things around us change. What I'm trying to say is that when God changes you, everything around you changes. The way you look at your relationships change. The way you look at your spouse change. The way you look at your difficult boss changes. It's liberating because you will be able to release the need to be in control and begin to trust God to bring the changes that you desire in your relationship. How do we break the curse of control, the need to rule over, the desire to control or rule over someone? We go back to Genesis chapter 3. The reason the curse of the conflict, the curse of control in marriage was set into motion because Adam and Eve stopped submitting themselves to the authority of God in rebellion and in disobedience. And by eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and bad, they wanted to be like God. They wanted to decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. And I just want you to remember this. The cure for the curse is the complete submission of your marriage to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What it means is that in your marriage, your wife will not try to impose her will on you. Your husband will not try to impose his will on you. Because both of you are submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, it is his will that you are trying to find. You're not the boss, she's not the boss, because you know that Jesus is the Lord of your marriage. And this, when you truly understand this, this changes the dynamic of your relationship. Now, does this mean that you will always agree on everything? Of course not. There will be days when she wants something that you don't want. Days when you want to buy something that she doesn't want you to buy. There will be days when you will be looking completely at opposite directions. But since you know who the real boss is, you can now agree to disagree and not take it upon each other. You can pray about it because you both understand that it is God's will that you are after and not your own. When we truly begin to understand and embrace the important role that Jesus plays in our marriage, when we are wholeheartedly submitted 
to his authority and his will and his lordship, then it would be easy to follow the Bible as it commands us to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. It will be easier for us to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. Genesis 3 tells us the curse is that the woman would desire to control her husband. And the man is to authoritatively rule over his wife. This is what most marriages look like. They say the new norm in marriage is not romance, but conflict. Right? You are more resentful about your partner than you are madly in love with him or her. And it's sad because that's just the way it is. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us how we can turn that curse into a blessing. In verse 22, instead of desiring to control their husbands, the marriage is blessed when the wives submit to the husbands as to the Lord. In verse 25, instead of domineering over their wives, husbands are commanded to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, these verses are widely quoted. These verses are argued about. And most importantly, these verses are widely misapplied. But I believe Ephesians 5 is not an issue about gender superiority or uh, gender equality. It's about turning the curse of control into a blessing of peace and submission to Jesus Christ. I like how Paul made this final exhortation, how he ended chapter 5 of Ephesians. And as we end, let's uh, read through the last verse. He said, Nevertheless, each one of you must also love his own wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Remember, the curse of control is broken when we as husbands and wives completely surrender and submit our marriages to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Husbands, love your wives. I want that to sink in. Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives even if at times it's the most difficult thing to do. Amen, amen. <laughs> <laughs> wives, the Bible says, you must must respect your husbands. Even if at times you don't feel they deserve it. Most of the times you don't. But the Bible says you still have to respect us anyway. There are no ifs and conditions to this command. You see, we honor Christ 
we bring glory to God when we genuinely love and respect the people in the relationships that He has blessed us with. Let's all stand. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more podcasts and for more information on Every Nation Canberra, please visit everynationcanberra.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra and on Instagram at instagram.com slash encanberra. We meet every second and fourth Sunday at 104 The Valley Avenue, Gungalin. Would you like to be connected to a tag group? Email us at everynationcanberra at gmail.com.